Please turn your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. Old Testament prophet comes before Daniel. We're going to be in 37 today. Ezekiel's a long book. That's what makes him a major prophet. Ezekiel 37. We're going to be in the first 14 verses. I was reminded this week as I opened the book of Ezekiel how much I'd forgotten about this great book. So I took some time to read it. There are things that we don't remember sometimes when we open certain books and need to be refreshed. And so today I want to give you a little recollection, a few things that might jar your memory about Ezekiel. What we might remember about this book is the wheel, the vision that Ezekiel saw in the middle of the road. Some of you might have sung that in Sunday school when you were little. We might remember how he cut his hair and his beard. How God told him to eat a scroll full of words of grief and how it tasted like honey. Ezekiel takes on the iniquity of God's people in his body, laying on his side for 390 days. When he loses his wife, he shows the people how they are to respond to death by God's command. Today as pastors, we use illustrations and stories in sermons. Then the prophets used their life. They were living examples and God told them to dramatically show the people who he was so that he could extend his truth to the audience. Ezekiel was from a priestly family born during the time of King Josiah in Judah. He was brought into a world with a name that is also a prayer. May God strengthen him. At the time of his birth, Judah is the one part of Israel that's still standing, but it is tenuous. Two important things are happening that make it seem like Judah might survive. One is that King Josiah loves God. He has found the written law and he is rebuilding the temple and he is calling the people to worship. He is calling the people to repentance. Also, Assyria is declining, which portends good news for Judah because they've been under Assyrian rule for the last 100 years. So the people of Judah are hoping for freedom. As a youth, Ezekiel would have heard the preaching of Jeremiah who has told the people that an honoring of Yahweh is more than external worship because their hearts and their minds are still in idolatry. He tells them, you're not going to survive. Ezekiel would have known the pain of King Josiah's death and the political instability that happened afterwards, culminating in King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon conquering Judah. Ezekiel was 25 when he was taken in the first wave of exiles, hundreds of miles from home to live along an irrigation canal with other people of influence from Jerusalem. When he should have been stepping into the role of priest at the age of 30, God calls him to preach to the exiles. What the people want is to go home and have their lives back. In their suffering, Ezekiel shows them the reality of their situation and also tells them how it's going to get worse, which indeed happens. The people in Jerusalem decide to fight King Nebuchadnezzar, who after 10 years of going back and forth with them, is over it. And so he thoroughly crushes them, destroys Jerusalem, and levels the temple. 
Those who live are brought back to live with the rest of the exiles. There's then a silence of 13 years from Ezekiel, after which he begins to preach hope and restoration from God. Today we read the vision that God gave him of the bones, probably one of the most well-known of Ezekiel's writings, and is given to show how God will restore them. So now that we have the background, let's read Ezekiel 37. Hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many living in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O oh my people, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. It is ever living and it is able, God, to pierce to the very heart of who we are. So we ask today for your spirit, God to speak words of life to us. Amen. This is a vivid display that God gives to e Ezekiel, having him participate as the pastor who is walking with the people, experiencing life with them. God shows Ezekiel a picture of his people dead and always possible to reveal his presence, his plans, his power, and his purposes. I went with all P's today, so mark that down on your notes. All right. So let's talk about God's presence here. God is showing Ezekiel, even in the most dire circumstances, that he is in the middle of it. Ezekiel's ministry is marked by high frequency of interactions with the Lord, more than any other prophet. They regularly address one another in common fashion, like two people who know one another well. Ezekiel calls him Lord God, in some translations, Sovereign Lord. 
And God calls him mortal or son of man. God has brought the prophet out to a valley where there are only bones, many of them. When we read this, we might imagine it to be a silent, desolate, stark place. It is dry and unforgiving. Once there, Ezekiel is led all around them, as if God is making sure he knows what a grim picture this is. Fun fact about your pastor, I don't like skeletons. Maybe it's because when I was four, I was a skeleton for Halloween with one of those plastic masks that you can barely wear because when you breathe, it gets all fogged up. It might be the memory of walking around in the dark to get candy that got me started on my aversion. They just seem creepy, although lots of people like them and find fun and meaning in them. But aren't they everywhere right now? Skeletons are everywhere to be used as a symbol of warning, to create fear, to show change, to communicate how tough people are, as means of avoiding bad luck, to show rebellion like pirates, and simply as decoration. Now there are even skeleton memes. This person's been waiting a long time, I guess, for their friend to show up. But there seems to be something off kilter about displaying skeletons as a personification of something they really are not. For those of us who are still living, it can be a weird image. Because in real life, a skeleton used to be a person, a person with feelings who had a family, talents, dreams, education, meaningful experiences. A person created by God is precious and beloved. When we see them used for our entertainment or used to promote a message, somehow it feels disrespectful to those we know, those who have gone before us in death. When God takes Ezekiel out to this valley, he knows the names of the people these bones represent. They are precious to him. He knows them as they once were. They are not just bones to him. Yet he has allowed this pain. It seems to show the aftermath of a battle, but it feels like a horror film. This would have been appalling to Ezekiel to see. As a priest, he's not allowed to touch a dead body. And here he is, walking among them. In our mind's eye... We also can see images that we cannot erase from pictures of our time, of the modern era, of mass graves and lifeless forms, war-torn cities and neighborhoods, bodies shockingly dismembered and emaciated. And these images fill us with revulsion. We shudder, we clench, we cannot stand it. And it's difficult for us because the pain is real. There are situations we can barely stand to watch. They're so graphic in their devastation. And God takes Ezekiel to this metaphorical place of death to show him that he is aware of the pain of humanity. He is aware of the pain of his people. God is there in the middle of it, ready to bring hope and change and healing When people's lives have been ravaged and torn apart, God wants to reveal his presence to them. We look and we wonder, can there ever be life again in this destruction? 
Whatever grief we feel, whatever compassion, whatever we feel, the Lord feels it as well. But God doesn't want us to turn away. I think that's one of the reasons why he brought Ezekiel there. Because God wants Ezekiel to see the pain and the destruction of sin and turning away from him. But he also wants Ezekiel to remember him standing there in the midst of the destruction because God is present in the suffering that leads to death. Next in this picture, God reveals his plans to Ezekiel. You see, there's still work for the prophet to do. It's important that we remember that God focuses Ezekiel in on this place. That's where God has asked Ezekiel to minister. Not in the whole wide world, but right here in this valley, along this canal with these exiles in Jerusalem when they go back. So it's not so overwhelming. Ezekiel has a peace where he can bring help. And so God asks Ezekiel a question. Mortal, can these bones live? No, that's an interesting question. When you think about these dry bones, there's nothing on them. There's no connection anywhere. The obvious answer is no. I would say, no, Lord, they cannot live. Can we go now? But notice what Ezekiel says. He says, oh, Lord God, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. This is the answer that speaks to their relationship. It is an answer that tells us that Ezekiel has learned that God can do anything. That God, who made life out of very little, can make it again. It is an answer that allows for God to do what he wills to do while Ezekiel waits and trusts. God then tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. Speak truth, he says, to the bones. Have you ever been asked to do something in front of someone that made you self-conscious and embarrassed and felt weird and you were like, um, I don't really think I can pull that off. I'm not really sure I can do that. I think that's how Ezekiel must have felt. Speak to the bones, the Lord says. The bones cannot hear. They are dead. They cannot respond because they are dead. But God wants Ezekiel to speak the word. He wants the word spoken over them. It's a command. It's not a request. Pray words of hope and life over the bones, Ezekiel. I think this is a significant truth for any generation. We pray for God to have mercy. We keep praying over those who are seemingly dead in their sin and their circumstances. Who don't have any true life in them. The bones don't represent those who are physically dead. This is not a resurrection. These lives represent those who are exiled. Those who have lost hope. The very ones Ezekiel is ministering to. So what that tells us is that captivity is not permanent. Right? The children of Israel didn't stay in the desert. They came to an end of it. Here, the captivity is not permanent. Whatever you and I go through in our lives is not permanent, however much it might feel like in the middle of it. But first, the truth has to be heard. That is the only way that they can rise up. But this is where we struggle as humans. When we look at our world, we ask the question, how much has God ordained this suffering? 
What part is the natural consequence of our sin and our greed and our hatred? And how much is due to ruthless leaders who will not be just or righteous no matter how many people die? How much does God play a part? It causes us to question his love for people. Suffering makes us wonder where he is and why isn't he doing something? This is hard for us who believe and who follow him. Ezekiel was living in a refugee camp. His life was torn apart too. But at some point, there's an end to the struggle. God is showing his plan to Ezekiel and the bones come together. Wouldn't that have been cool to see? The bones come together and all of a sudden now there's tendons and there's flesh and life is renewed. I was thinking how life is being renewed before us daily. We can't just focus in on the bad. We also have to focus in on what the Lord is doing because his, his, his life in the world isn't done yet. We have to believe that he is at work. We can't listen to the news that says this is the end. We have to remember God's ultimate truth and who he is and what he's doing. We cannot assume he's not doing anything. Jesus tells us to keep believing even though we know it's going to get harder, but we're not alone. His plans are unfolding with life, but he wants the people who trust him, even when many are turning away to keep speaking truth. Don't be so crushed that we cannot speak truth. Keep speaking God's word and God's life and God's hope. That's not a request. It's a command over the things in this world. Because people like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and others held on to faith in Yahweh, because they continued to do the work, Israel had a chance to be brought back. God's plan is always renewal. So let us pray where we can join him in this. In this picture, God also reveals his power to Ezekiel. In the place of dry bones now, there are figures, people who have been remade. But it's not enough to have a body if there's no spirit, if there's no breath. God's spirit here is mentioned nine times in various forms because God's spirit is what truly brings life. Again, Yahweh tells Ezekiel, prophesy, speak truth so that the breath will come. There is life and there is life again. God's spirit brings full life to the restored bones. God shows how the people have utterly lost their will to live. In verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up. And our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. The people declare their situation, but they do not ask for help. This is a lament. This is a crying out. This is a psalm. In the Psalms, we hear, My strength fails because of my misery. My bones waste away. Bones represent our deepest selves. At their core, the people are ravaged. They don't ask for help, maybe because they think there is none. Jerusalem is gone. The temple is gone. 
In this severing, they must believe that they may as well be dead. The place where they know to find God is gone. So where are they going to find him now? When they were alive and they were well before the exile, they loved their life. They tended to their everyday existence. They raised their children. They married. They had fun. They danced. And they chose to ignore the bigger picture of what was happening. They denounced and ridiculed the prophets who tried to tell them, you have to pay attention. You have to draw close to Yahweh. They didn't want to deal with that. So there's a lesson for us. Do we have ears to hear? Do we test whether messages are from God before we dismiss them because we don't like what they say? Are we happy with externally pleasing God but not having our hearts be close to him? We know that there are many situations that can make people think that there is no God or that he has intentionally moved away from them. War and famine and violence on the streets slave trafficking, deep poverty, displacement from homes can cause all of us to think that God does not care and has left us. And the pain doesn't have to be far away. It can be in our homes, divorce and cancer and loved ones in jail, death, loss of a job. All of those things can focus our minds and our energy on our pain and our suffering and how God has left us instead of his hope. But here is God's spirit to bring life. As long as God is alive, there is hope for all of us. God reminds Ezekiel, he wants to help his people. He wants them to get back on their feet so that they can go back to the place, back to the place he has given them. So for those who are dead in our lives, For those who are dead in their faith, we must pray for the Spirit to bring new life. And how it is that we can be used in that way to do that. This is the eternal work of the Savior. Jesus breathed his Spirit on the church. And we bring the Spirit to those who've lost hope. God's very breath revitalizes his creation at all levels. Finally, in this picture, God reveals his purpose. Throughout the book of Ezekiel, God says in various ways what we see in verse 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. And you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Also in verse 6, he says, you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will act. In his grace, God comes to us in our dead state to show us his love, to give us his life again A few weeks ago, we talked about the woman at the well, and we talked about how she went to her village, and she said to the people, could this be the Messiah? This man told me everything I ever did, and how they all came out to see Jesus. And we talked about how much we want to be known. God knows us, right? And so we, he knows us, and I think that that is part of being made in the image of God when I read this. Because God himself wants to be known by his people. God wants to be known that he brings life and helps us and loves us and creates us and all of the things that shape our life. God wants to be known. 
You see, all along the prophets kept telling the people of Judah how they could make things right with God, how he longed to have them worship and love him, what his desire was. And so as he's bringing them back to life, he is reminding them who he is. Remember, that is such a tagline for the children of Israel. It's such a tagline for the church. Remember who I am, that it is I who have brought you life. God gathers his people so they can live with him. In Deuteronomy, it says this, See now that I myself am he. There is no God beside me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. For a reason that is hard for us to comprehend, God allows suffering. Deep, soul-wrenching suffering that shakes us to our core and causes us to wonder what he is about and what part he plays in this. We understand that there is pain and death. We understand there are consequences for sin. But sometimes the widespread horror of what happens can overwhelm us. There aren't easy answers here. We must wrestle with God. We must ask him for his grace and mercy. But one thing that is evident from Ezekiel is that God sees the pain, that he walks with us in the pain, and that he has worked to bring restoration and relief. This is a passage about Israel being brought back to life in God. But it foreshadows also what Jesus has done for us. Israel raising back to life anticipates hope for all of us to be resurrected. In this time of Lent, it is a time of mourning. For the sin we commit, for the pain in this life, for the death that engulfs our world. This passage reminds us who God is and how he works in that. It reminds us of his deep compassion and goodness. When we trust him and are his people, we help bring new life to places that seem dead. The hope of Ezekiel is that nothing is beyond the scope of what God can or will do. There is nothing too far gone. No situation that he cannot make new with his miraculous power and breath of life. No tragedy that he cannot bring hope to. God works in the places of desolation to bring life So this Lent, as we cry out in pain for the suffering in our lives and the suffering of this world and the suffering of those that we love, may we also be among those who trust that he is raising new life again. Amen.